Oh hey, I'm glad you're here. Growing up in a video store had many perks, and I feel like I've covered those extensively in the podcast intros, but one of the limitations, of course, would be budget. We couldn't afford 90 copies of Waterworld or even three copies of Men at Work. Similar to big film companies versus independent films, small stores had a different aesthetic due to financial constraints. A plus would be that the never-ending barrage of like promotional materials and promo tapes from small labels. Sometimes you'd get a tape and watch it and discover that it's actually a TV movie made by Showtime or HBO, which we've covered. Films like The Fear Inside or Fortress, or even The Cool and the Crazy, which is Ralph Bakshi's only live non-rotoscope film, which we also covered. One thing to note is that non-movie channel developed films, or cable films, don't often receive the same fate of a DVD. The major stations which commissioned the films, well, they would just... That's it. They'd played, and they'd be lost. Uh, they don't even get the future uh, releases. So one thing we like to do is keep those films, and any film, alive via conversation. That's what lies at the heart of this episode. Well, that and the fantastic conversation with our guest, huh? So let's get to it. The film is The Face of Fear. Our guest works in an office, and this is VHS. Hello and welcome to VHS, the podcast where each episode is about a film and the guest has the professional experience portrayed in the film. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and I'd like to take this opportunity to encourage you to find us at VHS underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Now grab your chalk bags and fist jam along as I welcome my co-host, Sarah Marshall. I love fist jamming. Yeah, I looked up climbing terms. <laughs> I can't wait. Yes. How are you today? I'm I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. I love this part because we're pretending like we haven't seen each other all day. <laughs> it would be weird if it was mid-afternoon and I didn't know how you were. Right. How did you get here? As always, you're Spicy Marshall on Twitter and Instagram, so I encourage people to find you as well. Our guest for this episode is Ryan. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Now, Ryan, you are one third of the New World Pictures podcast. Would you please tell our audience what that is? <laughs> it is a podcast where we watch every movie that's been released by New World Pictures, which is a production company that was started by Roger Corman in the 1970s and uh, went through almost into the 90s. So we watch every movie. We talk to some directors and writers and editors and actors, people that worked on the film as well. And we rank various franchises and have a whole lot of fun. And we've been doing this for about two years-ish. So yeah, we're having a good time. Yes, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we met on Twitter and then I just yes. like listening to every single episode. Also- Bless you. I'm glad you mentioned the interviews because it's such a treat to hear people talk about films like Battle Truck or mm -hmm. the Hellraiser stuff where the little nuggets that you're getting aren't things that are already out on Blu-rays. So I just encourage fans of these films to listen to your podcast for that as well. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. We've been very thrilled with the people we've been able to talk to, including you, Dirk, who was oh. on an episode where you made us all watch The Great Land of Small and hey. we will never forget it. <laughs> you know, I think I've been lucky to guest on some podcasts, and I think about our conversation in the Great Land of Small probably more than most. And maybe that's Slimo's fault. It's hard to say. Right, but, right, right. Uh, uh, has Sarah been subjected to the Great Land of Small? No. I haven't, but Dirk has shown me a lot of freaky movies, so okay. I'm not surprised yeah. at all. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Do you personally have any favorite episodes of your podcast? 
I don't know. Now I'm thinking of ones where we had guests. So I feel like that would be unfair for me to say. They're all been terrific when we've had guests. Do I have some favorites? I think we've had some good times throughout a lot of them. We just were asked this and I was thinking of a couple of them, but I think I was trying to point out ones that people hadn't heard. So let me think for a second. What was one that I really liked? You know what? They're terrible. I don't know if you could have a favorite, you know? I think we're still getting there. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Maybe you feel like I feel each episode has a nugget or like I already used nugget. Sure, sure. Smaller boulder shape rock (laughs) analogy. A moment in it, if you will, where it feels Mm -hmm. sort of like that's the special thing for that episode. Because that's how I, it's hard to pick a favorite because they all have that one moment where I go, ah. This is why we're doing this. Yeah. I also feel like you're asking me about these episodes. And while I edit a certain amount of them and do sometimes then re-listen to them later, I then seem to completely forget them. (laughs) And they go out of my mind. And I think all three of us go through this. And then we'll listen to one later and be like, oh my God, I completely forgot about that. So there's that. But we had a lot of fun. I think Children of the Corn is our first. That's always fun to think about. I loved how we did. I think girls just want to have fun. That episode I like to think about because I think that was when I maybe more as a host. I'm not really the host, but a co-host. But I feel like as the guy that tries to move the conversation along. Sure. I felt like I figured some stuff out there. So that's one I always think about because sometimes when I don't feel I do a great job doing that, I always think back to that episode and go, I really had it there. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we all need those. <laughs> yeah. Steaming is always a fun one to check out because one of our co-hosts is my wife, Erica, and I'm always excited when she hates the movie because she's always on fire when she hates it. And she hated that one so much. And so (laughs) it's always fun to listen to her because we got her into this podcast and she was way less familiar with New World Pictures movies than we were, though I wouldn't say that we were exactly experts in seeing them all. But there's sometimes where she loves them and sometimes she absolutely hates them. So that one was a blast just because she hated it so much and (laughs) continues to bring it up because she hated it so much. That's true. I love the running gags with podcasts where you can go back and listen to like, oh, that's where this came from. And it keeps coming back over and over. We have many of those. (laughs) I'm glad somebody's enjoying them. We're not always 100% if that's something people enjoy. But (laughs) which brings us to our big question. This is a new Uh to the podcast where we get a submitted question, huge scoped issue in the world. The biggest question ever. I'm so nervous and excited. And we dive right in solving America's problems or the world's let's take it. I mean, you know, (laughs) today's question is from Josh at your next favorite movie podcast. He says, how many zombies could Rob Zombie rob if Rob Zombie could rob zombies? Mm. I want you to say that faster one more time. <laughs> oh, Let's hear okay. it. How many zombies could Rob Zombie rob if Rob Zombie could rob zombies? You know, I saw this question on Twitter and I actually, my thought was probably one and he would have his wife play the zombie. Oh, you're and... right. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I got kind of in an ethical conundrum about this one because do vegans perceive zombies as animals? Could he rob another living thing? Because he's vegan? Yeah. I feel like if he was robbing it, he would only be robbing it in a way of making it free. Oh. You know, he would want to just set it free rather than... Right. We don't think about that when we're robbing prisoners of jails. (laughs) (laughs) But robbing zombies is kind of an odd thing to do. Yeah. I would imagine it's really tricky because they're going to try and bite you the whole time. Right. 
And they don't really have any good stuff. They always have like old pants and definitely no wallet anymore. Yes, that's an excellent point. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Having that. So I guess why I decided it would be his wife, because I'm trying to see what his motivation would be to steal a zombie. Right. I would even want to do it. And if you rob something from a zombie, probably just the first time. I think you're right. Because after that, you'd be like, this wasn't worth it. Yeah. No. Yeah. You'd you'd be done. First decision. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to rob some other things. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Solve that. Uh, (laughs) The film that brings us together is The Face of Fear from 1990, which marks our first TV movie from Basic Cable. This was created for CBS Action. And you can find this pretty much only on YouTube. That's how I found it. How about yourself, Ryan? Yeah, that's where I watched it. It was on YouTube. Yeah. So thanks, YouTube, for (laughs) for giving us this. Our director is Farhad Mann, who has 39 credits, starting with Mm. Max Headroom and leading into Lawnmower Man 2, Beyond Cyberspace, and a lot of TV movies. Yes, mostly TV. Mostly. Our cinematographer is Peter McKay, who did Phil Collins' In the Air Tonight, Wham's Last Christmas, and George Michael's Father Figure nice this did not have the feel of a music video so (laughs) no (laughs) that would have been great i know i'm like oh i have to think he was constrained right (laughs) during this then our editor is m edward salier if i'm saying that correctly who worked on max headroom garbage i don't know i don't know him so i I mean (laughs) it sounds good to me garbage pale kids the movie alice sweet alice and roller boogie roller boogie fans I've never seen it, but now I want to. Okay. I've been really into roller skating. <laughs> we stopped a whole film the other night, Ryan, just to watch roller skating videos on YouTube as Sarah introduced me to, what was it again? There's different skate moves for different regions. So first I was showing you Chicago and that's yes. more in oh. James Brown. And then we moved to Detroit, Yes, which is almost like break dancing on skates. It's like the most amazing moves I've ever seen. Yeah. And Dirk got really into it. <laughs> So I then we just watched a it. lot of videos. I was like rewinding parts and being like, <laughs> no, look what he does with his toes. Yeah. <laughs> and just to be clear, I can't do any of those things. Right. What yeah. is the Chicago? What is the Chicago roller move? Well, Chicago is the one that they're inspired more by James Brown moves. So they're dancing, not doing oh. floor work, but Detroit is a little bit more floor work. Like they get mm. to do all this. Oh, so it's just like a general style. It's not like a move. It's like a general style general of style, skating. Yeah. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm learning a lot. There it is. And <laughs> this movie has no roller skating at all, but that's okay. <laughs> right. But it does teach you a lot. This movie taught uh, me a whole lot of things. It does. It is instructive. Yeah. Our actors are Pam Dauber. People would know her from Mork and Mindy. Stay tuned. Currently NCIS, which is impressive. Okay. She took this role because it was different from all the other roles she was being offered at the time and thought that the stunt people would be doing all the climbing. And boy, was she upset when, when they were putting ropes on her and hanging her outside of a building. <laughs> like, no, no stunt people, it's you. Yeah. No, you think we have a budget for that? We got the guy from Phil Collins in the air tonight shooting this thing. <laughs> then we have Lee Horsley. I think I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. But from Sword and the Sorcerer, he was also in Hateful Eight and Django Unchained. And Nightmare Man from 1999, where he plays a cop who has an accident and becomes psychic. Weird. That's he a- just, he, he got typecast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to rewatch those, or actually, I, to be honest, have to watch those Tarantino films and be like, is he psychic in this movie too? Well, I don't think it, they make a big deal of it, but obviously so. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
I actually wonder where I'd seen him from. And I think I remember vaguely, he does a lot of TV and he did this miniseries called North and South, which I believe my parents watched. And then by proxy, I did too. (laughs) I was like, where do I know this guy from? I even tried to ask my brother, who also is one of our co-hosts, because I thought he would remember better being older. David Carradine's in it as well. And Kirstie Alley. I mean, it's just filled with hit stars <laughs> <It is. laughs> but yeah he was in that patrick swayze as well north and south everybody get into that as well so far we've got roller skating and north and south uh, <laughs> right north and south another great style of, of roller skating unlike pam lee was very excited about the climbing stuff and was not afraid of heights so he had to pretend to be afraid mm-hmm. a acting and the way he did that was to channel his true fear which is claustrophobia So he is such a good actor that he is in the most open of spaces being Mm -hmm. outside of a building and he's inside of his mind going, I'm in a very, very tiny place. (laughs) It's amazing. I think that's the Meisner method. I can't keep them all straight, but next we have Kevin Conroy, who's done a ton of television and in 1993 became the voice of Batman in Mask of the Phantasm Mm -hmm. uh, since he's continued to act, but mostly done just tons of voice acting. I was shocked when I saw him because I've only seen him really now, current age. So to see Mm -hmm. him so young with such a quaff of hair. And jacked. Yeah. Hair was so fluffy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then we have Bob Balaban, which is one of my favorite actors' names to say. Close Encounters, A Mighty Wind, Ghost World, Cradle, Will Rock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Altered States. Big fan. Then William Sadler, who I'm going to be honest, kind of the reason I chose this. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Bill and Ted's Face the Music, Freaked. Demon Knight, Shawshank Redemption, Die Hard 2, to name some of his credits. Die Hard 2. I mean, that's such a feather in his cap on that one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just doing some just nude boxing or whatever in his room. That's the William Sadler movie. That's what burned into my memory. Yeah, I think he only does movies mostly where someone's working out in a room. Right. (laughs) Either him or someone else. It doesn't matter. I'll be there, but I don't have to be at work. That's just in my contract. Somebody has to be working out. Speaking of Die Hard, what was happening in movies around this time? Because we have this film, we have Adventures in Babysitting, Die Hard. People were very into climbing on the outside of skyscrapers. Yeah. (laughs) Weird fetish of something that doesn't ever really happen. It's like the whole thing with quicksand in the 80s where we were like, we need to know how to deal with this. I think that the skyscrapers became the new quicksand. They were like, okay, okay we've done quicksand so many times. We got to come up with we've something new. Down. Let's look yeah, up. Let's look up. Okay. Let's go to the big city. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I usually am. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let us press play on the face of fear. So we start with classic blue 80s titles and we see the name Dean Koontz. This is a Dean mm-hmm. Koontz joint. Brian, what's your relationship with Dean Koontz? I was a fan of Stephen King. This is probably pretty unusual of most people. And I'd read some of his stuff when I was younger. And then just because you're like, well, let's see what other horror writers are out there. So I read one or two Dean Koontz books. And seeing that he had written this originally under his pseudonym, Brian Coffey, I was like, what, have I read this one? And I don't know, because I don't remember what I'd read, because I just remember I read them. I think both my brother and I read a couple of Dean Koontz books and we're like, not great. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that was essentially my experience with him. And then, of course, there has been a few of his books turned into movies 
none of which are currently in my home media library. Yeah, <laughs> it's the nicest way I can put that. I really like one of them. Sarah, you were doing a little coonting, I think, the other day. Well, <laughs> I sure was. That's the official and, term for it. Yeah. yeah. And the hot goss I want to really talk about is yeah. his hair okay. because mm. he's a bald man which I think is great. I think it's okay to be bald. Oh, okay. Okay. But he wears this maybe toupee. Oh, a maybe So toupee. what the internet wants to know is if it's a toupee or if he got it. It was at the time when people were getting the transplants, okay, hair transplants, yeah. mm-hmm. and he had a lot of money. So they thought that maybe he got it hair transplanted and they couldn't get it off because it's, do you know what his hair looks like? I've never seen Dean oh, man. hair. It's not real. (laughs) It looks like someone acting like someone who would be wearing fake hair, but it has been that way through time. Well, I'm upset this is a podcast because I need to see this. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea what he looks like. I really don't. Well, everyone stop what they're doing right now. Google it. Look at his hair. (laughs) See what you think. I think it's a toupee. Okay. But since he never changed it, people thought that he got it put on and just couldn't get rid of it. Oh, okay. I am looking at it now. And I... <laughs> what do you okay. think? Yeah, well, that doesn't look real. Right? It's definitely not real. But it's definitely not real. I mean, there's pictures of him with no hair. So right. he definitely doesn't have hair. But only from the pictures of him bald are from the 70s. And then after that, only crazy wild toupee. It's a lot of hair, actually. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of hair. It's interesting when people do that and then they just, they, you, I guess you get to choose your style of what kind of wig. I mean, this is a wig. This isn't a toupee. Sure, but he just chose forever. There's a lot of hair. Is. That's yeah. too much hair to be a toupee. Is the difference between a toupee and a wig the size? I don't know. To me, a toupee goes on part of your head and yeah. blends in with your hair. Okay. And a wig covers your entire head. And this looks like it covers his entire head. Yeah, that's this is like a dome. It's like a dome of hair. <laughs> hair dome. That's one of his books, I think. Hair dome. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to choose to have this kind of hairstyle and be like, I want the hair of an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that I'm older and middle-aged. Yeah. Who just woke up and couldn't yeah, exactly. handle on it. It's wild. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, maybe he's psychically linked to an eight-year-old boy who just constantly woke up. Maybe. And he's like, I need hair that matches this feeling I have. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Speaking of creepy things, we instantly see a creep stroking pictures and being a creep. So my question for both of you is, do you have a favorite way that films introduce creeps? Do you like a creep where it's just a voiceover and perhaps a silhouette? Do you want your creep revealed right away? Just see them being creepy? I'm always a fan of not seeing them right away, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to see them right away, I love them talking to themselves like we get here. Same. I couldn't get enough of our killer, one of two killers, not to spoil anything. Oh, no. <laughs> but one of two talking to themselves and just pointing out their different occupations. This may be one of my favorite intros now. I really liked it as well. I mean, it just, right off the bat, we knew, creepy dude. Yeah, I was like, is he casting a female village people? What is happening? He's like, plumber, obstetrician. Like, I was just like, this is fascinating. And then he says, singer. And then we cut right to a smoky jazz club and we see the killer eyeing a singer. Our lead Lee gets man of the year at a charity, which I think means he donated more money than anybody else. That's how that works. Yeah, I think that's how that works. Which brings up 
post-work expectations. Ryan, after you get done at your office job, yes. how do you feel about hanging out with everybody? Is it something that you were like, yes, let's go talk about work? Or are you like, see you when I get paid to be around you? Yeah, uh, absolutely the latter. Yes. <laughs> no offense to anyone. Yeah. Of course, I haven't seen any of them in person for a few years now, but we have children. So I have to go to school and get them and all that. So I'm always like, gotta go my kids, which, which is a nice way to get out of any sort of post-work plans or anything, if such a thing would come up. But I actually feel like most people I work with are of the same mind. Yeah. So I don't think I'm the cool one being like, I don't want to hang. I think pretty much everyone in my group that I work with are all like, it's five. Goodbye, everyone. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was never that I thought I was cool in any way. It was just, as I had said in our previous office conversation, work people just want to talk about work. And I never understood mm -hmm. it. I was like, don't we have any kind of common ground outside of this? And everyone's like, no, I guess not. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> this oh, is it. okay. One of my favorite things that has happened over this whole uh, period of lockdown is that we have these group meetings now on Zoom. And my boss will always leave five minutes for us all to just like, before he shows up so we can have like a group chit chat and outside of one person probably eventually asking how everyone's doing and then everyone replying with as short of a response as they can <laughs> then we just sit there in silence for the rest of the five minutes yeah. before our boss shows up and I feel like he's really patting himself on the back for giving us this amazing bonding experience and that we don't take advantage of in any way. We're all just sort of <laughs> in our own bubbles like, yeah, yeah, well, this is, you know, I got to get back to work or whatever once this is over. And so nobody really chats about stuff. So it's at least is refreshing that we don't have to talk about work. Right. I feel the same for the few things I've had to do Zoom-wise, our daughter has some extracurricular activities and there was something where I had to chime in with a bunch of parents and it was just a bunch of adults staring at each other wondering when this could be over. <laughs> it's basically what, nobody was talking. We're just like, someone's gonna take the reins on this and it'll be done. We'll just wait and just stare at each other <laughs> blankly. Well, because pre-Zoom, you could stand next to someone silently, but when you're staring at their face, mm -hmm. it's a little more awkward yeah it's okay I mean I just want everyone to know it's okay to still be silent it's just gonna be weird because you're looking at each other yeah it is weird and that's what I love about it it's what I crack up about because we just sit there in silence and everyone's staring at one another essentially and yet we say nothing yeah. it's great I kind of love that yeah I'm I'm always like hmm Oh, uh, <laughs> like, cause I can see myself. So I'm just like, I got to look like I'm doing something. So I'm like moving things. I'm like, yeah, we're over articulating. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is he trapped in a box all of a sudden? <clears throat> oh, strong wind. Suddenly um, bringing up two big thumbs up. Yes. Nodding exaggeratingly. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Karen on that call? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Because she always is. Yeah. She always is. She can't help herself. The killer follows the singer home, posing as a policeman with one of my favorite lines, which is, do you want me to get a warrant? And she goes, okay, come in. That's <laughs> a warrant for what? There was no, it makes uh, no Yeah, sense. I wonder about that. What trouble was she? Number one, <laughs> if you are not thrown off by a, a police officer going, hey, it's the police. Yeah. And you're not like, oh my God, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was just like, oh, the police again. So <laughs> like, that's confusing. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I'll just get a warrant and come back. And then you're like, forget it. Uh, I'm like, well, does this happen often? 
is she very familiar with this jazz singers are plagued by the police constantly. <laughs> right right yeah i didn't realize it was so dangerous to be a jazz singer that's weird the lead sees a flash of a knife now ryan in your office when you have psychic visions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I have all the time right okay perfect mm-hmm. i didn't really have a question there most of the time while i'm rappelling out the outside <laughs> of the building <laughs> yes well the killer attacks the singer and traumatizes her fish and i love to imagine this from the point of view of the fish who have seen this woman every day of their life and all of a sudden just her face screaming at them i know why didn't we get any fish vision on that one i was that's the one thing that was missing from this. yeah that's a great call and then they never see her again because she's dead so the fish are just like what was that about I was so worried about all those cats. Who's going to yeah. feed all those cats? Well, they're going to eat the fish. So. <laughs> right, right. But that's not going to take long. That meal train's going to be over in no time. We all know they'll eat her face. Yeah. Also, an incredible apartment for somebody yeah. who's just a jazz singer, for yes, all we know. Really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is in New York. Is this where this takes place? Yeah, yes. it has to be. Yes, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? I thought I think, so. The skyline seemed like, are we in New York here or where yeah. are we? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't specify. No, they don't specify much. <laughs> we then learned that our lead has a psychic link to the killer. Text the murderer. So they go to the crime scene and they just let him touch any corpse he wants, which I just love. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is his job? Okay. He just gets to touch all the things. Well, it's because of her, right. because of his girlfriend what connie because she's like a forensic psychologist mm-hmm. he's her plus one which i guess you get at a crime scene yeah you get a plus one that's how it usually works I right some jazz clubs usually yeah. allow. i'm allowed to be here for my job and yeah. this is my boyfriend so he just gets to come too yeah 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 once you know somebody i gotta know somebody who can get near a crime scene it'll be interesting in your office are you the guy who gets to touch a corpse or is that a couple <laughs> levels above you <laughs> I feel like if there was a corpse in our building, I would definitely say that's somebody higher up the ladder than I. So I don't... Somebody robbed this zombie and they're like, that's a corpse. (laughs) Hasn't moved at all yet. I would try to immediately steal the corpse. (laughs) Get his wallet. (laughs) Uh, We learned that Graham had a fall that used to be a climber. Ryan, have you fallen down in your workplace lately? I wish that what an amazing lawsuit I would be able to have. No, I have not fallen. It's easy when you, well, (laughs) you sit a lot. Actually, I do have a standing desk, which opens up the opportunity for falling. Just, you could just say, like, I could fall right now. (laughs) I'm a fall risk. (laughs) And we do have to go downstairs, downstairs quite often. But other than that, there's really not a whole lot of opportunity to fall, except as I mentioned, when I'm rappelling down the side of the building, that is the time when I could fall. You could, but I love that we never see his original fall. No, she says it. I thought for sure seeing just the synopsis of this before we watched it, I was like, oh, well, we're going to see that moment where he like falls and now suddenly has psychic visions. You're in Dean Koontz's The Dead Zone. I mean, I thought for sure that that would be part of this, but nope. Dean Koontz adapted this from his own work is the (laughs) other thing that I love. It's not like someone took his book and was like, well, let's make it not make sense. He's like, these are the best parts. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I want you to know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there was another guy who wrote it too, Alan J. Gluckman. Yes. Who wrote Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Uh, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's the guy who wrote some of the more funny lines in this film, oh, which there are yeah. many. Yes. 
and Dean would try to scrub them out as best he could. <laughs> so like, get it back to Coonsit. You had to really get it back. We get a reporter trying to get an angle on the story, and that's William Sadler's character. And then we learn that Graham can't control his gift. Oftentimes in these troubled days, it seems challenging to center oneself. Ryan, what do you do self-care-wise to keep yourself well you? I will play music a lot. Are you a musician? No, no, no. Well, oh. <laughs> I am uh, to a degree. You don't have to be good if you call yourself a musician. Oh, I know. I... Yeah, I do play bass and I will plunk away at that. I will just like listen to music, I should say. I will press play on music to center myself. So when I'm working, I will listen to music or podcasts. I've always been somebody who needs music on. When I was a kid and I was in high school and I was studying or reading or whatever, I would always be listening to music. So that to me is a big centering thing for me is listening to music so that's probably more my self-care outside of that uh, especially with children there's only so much you can do I'm really worried about them more than myself so music is pretty much the extent of it I'm a runner I go and I run so that's awesome. that's really what I do that is also a love I guess I'll say of our other office worker from this season mm -hmm. is running mm. what is this theme with office workers and running you're getting outside. Yeah, oh, right. Because you're inside trapped. I've heard yeah. about outside. I don't trust it. <laughs> made all office buildings where you could repel down the outside, like on your lunch break. Here's my question. You already have a standing <laughs> desk. So why don't we just put a treadmill underneath there? And now you got a running desk. Oh, my gosh. That would be so great. I would love that. Imagine I would love that if I just had a light jog on all day. That would be perfect. Just buckets <laughs> of sweat pouring off you while you're in Zoom calls. With people. Exactly. Getting getting the mail, signing for the mail. Thank you. <laughs> that treadmill's all over your ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have a treadmill that goes all the way. Just a moving treadmill. The most dangerous one is the stairs, because instead of being an escalator, it's just a series of very small treadmills going into <laughs> That's a very big fall risk. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, next we learn that there's two killers, which you've already told us. Sorry. I'm sorry to spoil that. <laughs> Graham goes to the station and the cop gives him the murder knife, but it's the wrong knife because Ira's a real prick. <laughs> this is cyclometry. Is that right? This is actually a different skill than what Dean hmm. suggested this man has. And we learned this from the Ask Renee episode that I did on the movie Vibes. Psychometry is the ability to touch something and know its history from the hmm. touching. A psychic has a completely different set of skills where they can possibly, if they're a medium, they could see into the future and the past, I think. And yeah. some psychics can link to the non-living, <laughs> the living. So anyone that's like, hello, I'm like, ooh, a psychic. That <laughs> really be should be able to do one or the other, right? Not both. Not often people can do all of these things. So it yeah. must have been a really special fall, I guess. <laughs> well, we can only imagine it because we will never know. Never know. Yeah. I wish she had said he fell and then he was psychic. It was quite a fall. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They never really barely even talk about the fall that he took. Yeah. Other than he says, God, is he still afraid of heights? As if that's a shitty thing that no one can handle. Right. <laughs> I've never <laughs> like, heard of that before. Yeah, like, ugh, people that are afraid of heights. It's like, how many people? Are, there's probably a tons. There's tons of us. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I always think. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm totally good with this. And then I see it and I'm like, this is too high. <laughs> yeah. Talk about his fall when he's receiving the Man of the Year Award. But yeah. The speech is so boring that I like wasn't even paying attention mm -hmm. to what they were talking it's about. So, it's so boring. Someone's <laughs> like, hey, remember when he fell? Yeah. Like that's it's pretty bad when your yeah. story is so boring that someone's like, remember when you got hurt? And everyone's like, oh, oh what? 
his faces too when he has these visions is amazing yeah it looks like he's really holding in a dump he's just <laughs> like Ugh! like <laughs> it's so bad and the pauses he makes during his speech are so awful it's oh, like yeah. <laughs> I mean, so i at least like the fact that he runs off the guy has to like play it off because it's obviously awkward i, I mean at least they do like that if he played it off by being like, clearly he had to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty solid excuse for a lot of things, to be honest. We are afraid to use it because it's socially embarrassing, but everyone's been there. My wife says that all the time. You should just say <laughs> to go take a dump and get out of things. It's because end every Zoom meeting that way. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take a dump. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> when we do the Zoom wave. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. The killers enter and explain their whole plan that they're going to go to the building and they're going to kill these two people or he's everyone. Good. He's on to him. Yeah. He figured out a middle name. Yes. Funny that that's the first thing that comes to his head. He's like, I got it. <laughs> Stevens. I don't know. It's very Dwight, strange. I think, is the that's middle right. name, right? Yeah. And they're like, sooner or later, he's going to know everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. Also, you just said your own middle name yeah. added an S to it. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah. Uh. I discovered something. You discovered your own middle name. Oh my gosh. In the office, the lady approaches with their food and it looks like they're eating mac and cheese and diet soda. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to the lunchroom question, something we forgot to ask Paxton about in a previous episode. How hellish is an office lunchroom? Perhaps I'm leading. <laughs> no, my building has a break room. It doesn't really have a lunchroom. There's nowhere to sit in it. It has a couple fridges and a sink and... People can grab drinks out of the fridge, which are the free drinks provided are iced teas, essentially is all there is really. That's all that's really provided. And so I don't really partake. And then there is a coffee machine so people can make coffee, but they're those little plastic coffee pods, which I don't particularly care for. I don't ever get that. That's basically it. That's where you will encounter people. No microwave? There is a microwave. Yeah. I bring my own lunch and I'll heat it up, but then I'll go eat at my desk because there's nowhere to sit and eat anywhere. Well, you don't want to eat old mac and cheese and diet soda. You got to <laughs> eat it up. I mean, when you have that kind of luxurious meal, I don't want to show it off to everyone. Right. What kind of things do you usually bring for lunch? I know this is going to make me sound like I'm some sort of health nut, but I bring salads and things like that. Some leftovers, I'm sure. It's not like sandwiches and soups and things like that. Stuff that's easy to heat up. So when you're microwaving a salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, microwave chicken and stuff to put on top of it. Oh, okay, know? gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. One time yeah, I yeah. microwaved lettuce when I was a kid and oh, it turned into green slime. Ew, yeah. yeah, that's a fun experiment. Yeah. And then you could drink it and it's like so much faster. That's true. <laughs> it's the original diet soda. <laughs> Have you ever had anyone in your office that's a lunch stealer? No, the one time I came in in the morning and I put my lunch bag in the fridge as I would always do. And then an email was sent out to everyone in the building that one of the personal assistants had realized that the fridge door had been left open. It wasn't heating anything. So they literally took every bag and everything in it and dumped all the food into the trash. Oh, no. Went over to her and I was like, did you throw away my lunch? She's like, well, yeah, I just threw everything that's in the fridge because the fridge door had been left open all weekend. <laughs> 
And I was like, well, I just put it in there this morning. I don't think it would be bad. She's like, well, I just had to throw everything away. And she was like, very like, I want everyone to appreciate that I'm a hero and I saved everyone. And I was going, yeah, but you just threw away food I brought in two hours ago and you emailed everyone. And once you did, I went to check and my food was gone in, in the trash. So, I mean, you gave none of us a chance to pick out food that maybe was fine. She's like, you're welcome. He was not happy with me and honestly barely spoke to me. And then eventually she left because she retired, but she was not happy with me. After that moment, we <laughs> was not happy with me. That was the end of your- Because it was like, I saved this building oh, that's from so certain good. doom. How dare you, sir? My old job, there was like a passive aggressive note person that would write things about either the sink or the dishwasher or oh, sure. lunches or whatever. Oh and yeah. I, I loved writing little notes back that then like, then their note would be taken down and made even crazier with like capital letters and exclamation points. And it was just the most fun I could have. That same fridge, there's a note saying, make sure it closes because it doesn't quite close right obviously. Yeah. And that's what everybody was talking about. Well, that fridge door doesn't close. <laughs> hey, do you want to hang out after work and talk about the fridge door? No, I gotta go. My kids, <laughs> I gotta go. Let's, I'm so sorry. Oh, after work. <laughs> I'd love to talk about this fridge though, but gosh, I gotta go. That's fun. <laughs> oh man. Well, the killer locks them all down in the building and turns four of the five elevators off. He kills the guy on the lower floor and then Graham and the lady realize that the phones are dead and the power's out. Ryan, when you're at work, do you ever wish the power would just go out so that you could just go home? Because I think that's all that happens when the power goes out. In movies, it's always like, we're all going to die. But in reality, it's like, yeah, we can't do anything here. So we could go home. That would be awesome. It has never happened. I would love that. That would be great. I would pray for something like that to happen. It doesn't happen. Sometimes we get fire drills and we have to leave the building and go outside and pretend that we've done something. And then at least it's a break. Right. You're like, well, we're outside. And we have to stand I... around for a while. So that's nice. <laughs> the thing I always love about fire drills is the normalcy of it. Like, because everyone knows, oh, it's a fire drill and everyone just saunters outside. <laughs> yeah. And it goes back in. It's like, huh. All right. Well, I guess we really practiced that. <laughs> with almost no urgency and everyone's like running off to go grab coffee or do something yeah. and then there's the one person on the floor who has to actually count everyone yes. to make sure that they're there who has to brag the emergency bag and <laughs> oh, the they bag. have the worst time yeah and they tried to rope me into doing that and i was like um i don't know i'll think about it and then they kept emailing me what do you think and i was like i, I really don't want to do this i, I just kind of it. ignored it until they stopped left me alone <laughs> I got to pick up my kids. They're like, what? Yeah, right now, because the building's on fire. <laughs> I've seen my own doom. I need to see them now. But also, before that scene happened, yeah. you forget when he was mumbling through the whole plans for the building. Yes. Oh, that scene is just something else. It's I, so good. I loved that. I love that moment. Just talking to himself, running through all the uh, various plans of the building and how he's going to turn off the power. I'm going to do this. And, it's like uh, part of the time he's some kind of genius where he can uh -huh. remember all of these rooms and things like that. Right. And then sometimes he can't figure out how to use a key because he keeps breaking them off oh the elevator. <laughs> His key problems. I mean, half the movie, once it gets going, is him knowing exactly where they are yes. but having no ability to yeah. do what he's done to so many other people yes 
Yeah. <laughs> he's killed a lot of people. Can't get it right today. Yeah, he's like, it's I don't scary. get it. I have the keys. I have a gun. Mm-hmm. They have the stairs. Yeah. I have an elevator. Still no upper hand in the situation. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but it, you know, as Sarah's saying, everybody has a bad day. You right. know, sometimes it's just not your day. It's not his day. Yeah, and he he takes the one remaining elevator up and confronts them, and they set off in the world's slowest chase. Oh, that's the one that goes right to commercial. Yeah, is that the one where he comes up and they're running from the sides of the camera? Literally, there's nowhere they could hide. No. There's nothing but doorways, and they're all locked. Yes. So how he shoots at them and doesn't kill them, and then when we come back from the commercial break, he's just slowly walking down the hallway. I'm like, what happened yeah. to shooting? <laughs> Why is that playing out the door? Did you think about think twice about it over the commercial break? Yeah, he's like, well, I don't know. (laughs) The chase is the action, right? This movie was from 1990. And I want to know what commercials you think would have been in the movie. What do you guys think? Oh, that's a great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's nighttime. So that rules out most of the ones I remember uh, from like cartoons and things i it's uh, on cbs isn't there like they're probably like a father dowling mystery that they've got to promote oh yeah definitely um is murder she wrote cbs i think so yeah i think you might be right that i saw a lot as a kid and my favorite memory of it is that my bedtime was 7 30 so i thought the show was just about an old lady that stayed in bed and breakfast places where someone would was killed and that was it i didn't know there was she solved anything for years she she just eventually like write a book about it that's just where she got all the inspiration is an anti bed breakfast show is basically (laughs) what i saw no one should ever go to a bed and breakfast look at this lady's terrible luck is what they should have called this show right in 1990 i think at that point we were late adopters of uh cable and so at that point we had cable so i don't know how often I'm definitely not watching the CBS TV movie of the week or oh, whatever it might be. Maybe a commercial for like a Steven Seagal film, like an ad, perhaps, like Out for Justice or something. Was that around 1990? Yeah. Pepsi commercial. I don't know what the Pepsi campaign would have been at that time, but oh. or the Got Milk was big in the 90s. <laughs> it's just Got Milk commercials. <laughs> got milk. That would be amazing. Damn. I'm just trying to think what the target market of this movie might be. Yeah. You know? Walked yeah. hair, I guess. Yeah. Maybe like even bookstores and stuff, because it's a writer. Right. You know, maybe they're like, go to Walden Books, you know. It's novel while you're there. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> I mean, I think probably there's still reverse mortgages back then. There might be still reverse mortgages commercials. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. That's sort of timeless, isn't it? Maybe a magic eye postcard commercial. <laughs> <laughs> natural wonder or i can't just... figure it out <laughs> is it a sailboat or a dolphin i don't know i put it to my nose i backed it up my eyes aren't focusing yeah, just... i'm looking crossways i'm looking <laughs> i'm looking at my nose i'm backing away i can't see it i have vertigo i threw up still can't see it i don't know what's happening <laughs> just commercials for neon clothes and yes. oh hyper king and that kind of stuff I was thinking that sometimes some of the workout scenes are very bow flex. Yeah. Do you remember the mm, yeah. get the free catalog mailed to you? I'm thinking maybe a bow flex commercial to <laughs> fit in. Yes. <laughs> he had all of his gym equipment. He had like an impressive amount of gym equipment all set up next to his murder hallway. Yes. <laughs> and no lights, no direct lights. <laughs> he just works out to the lights of the street coming yeah. in. Through a, a large fan. Again, he's a fall risk. That seems like a dangerous situation. It does seem very dangerous. 
Remember when the psychic link to the killer was a plot point because Koontz drops that real quick in this yeah. show. For a yeah. long period of time, the man should know exactly what the killer's doing and he has no idea. Yeah. Which floor he's on, Nothing. where he's hanging out the window. He doesn't know any of it. The first half seems like a real fun thriller. And yeah. then he starts coming into the building and chasing them. And I even checked the time. I was like, ooh, all right, we're getting into this. And then I saw that we had half... We yes. were halfway through the film and I was like, oh my God, we've got another half. What are they going to do? And it seemed like CBS felt people are going to tune into this because right. people love mountain climbing. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's not deny them of all that sweet mountain climbing action. Yeah. We then get an amazing TV fight with a nail gun. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Very fun. And my favorite quote, which is, we will see how cute you are with your face shot off. <laughs> I don't know if that's true at all. I liked when Pam Dauber said this is like going up against a tank with a pea shooter. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one too. That was a riot. I feel like even pea shooter in 1990 feels like an extremely dated phrase. <laughs> yeah, sure. definitely. <laughs> Graham and the lady find a bag of climbing stuff, which I'm like, oh, here we go. This is what we've been waiting for. Thank it's God he left that there, huh? Yep. <laughs> She states that she won't die in his hands, and then they smash cut to commercial, which means it's time for a break. So we'll be right back after this. Ah, uh, feeding. Everyone's got to do it, even vampires. But if you aren't a vampire, or a baby, or a baby vampire, then sometimes eating can become so repetitive and boring. Which is where Marshall's hot sauce comes in. Liven up any meal with those small batch sauces made from only the freshest ingredients. From the sweet, mild heat of smoked habanero barbecue, to the addictive serrano ginger lemongrass, or even my two personal favorites, habanero carrot curry and bird's eye basil. In fact, Marshall's Hot Sauce even has a new line of seasonings, including an incredible barbecue rub, a chicken marinade, and even a volcano sparkle that a vampire could eat. Ha <laughs> uh, The best part? is that you can enter VHS Podcast at checkout for 20% off. That's right. Liven up those meals and wake up those undead taste buds at marshallshotsauce.com. That's marshalls, H-A-U-T-E, sauce.com. And enter VHS Podcast for 20% off. And now, back to the show. And we're back. And Bollinger has lost them because they went outside the building. Graham lists off a bunch of climbing jargon, like don't hand jam your crag, remember to mantle your jug and nut your undercling, which all sounds vaguely erotic. It sounds really funny coming from you. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Also that wind. I mean, oh, how do you deal with that wind? Well, that's my next note. She goes first and tries to shout down 20 floors, which is one of two scenes where he explains how sound works. Yes. I love how she goes down, repels a little bit down the building. They're up on the 40th floor and just starts screaming into the wind, which is blowing paper all over the place. Where did the paper come so from? So much paper. There's so much wind. I was like, I don't know. I've never worked on a building where it's that tall, but. I guess the wind just really kicks up once you're all the way up there. I don't know. That's what made me really feel like they were in New York, just because mm. it reminded me of Ghostbusters, because they're always on the uh, tops of windy buildings. Sure. So I think I was like, yes, same scene, same set. That makes sense. You couldn't put a rock on top of any of those papers? Yeah. <laughs> There's no paperweights. 
Should have went to Natural Wonders and got a geode right my cards. I brought all this climbing equipment, but I didn't bring any paperweights or oh. any papers I have in this office. Refile all of those papers when this is all over with. I mean, do you even have papers in your office anymore, Ryan? I yes, mean, yes. No, it is not. It's slowly turning over that way, but we do actually use an unbelievable amount of paper and we have people that deliver reams and reams of paper. There's a lot of shared printers, so there's a lot of printing that still goes on. Do you have a paperweight? I don't have a paperweight. Uh, Get this. When's your birthday? <laughs> but we are on the ground floor, so I feel like I'm okay from the massive gusts of wind that clearly <laughs> happen 40 stories up. <laughs> it's a real wind tunnel. Bollinger next finds them and cuts Graham's rope, but he catches himself. And meanwhile, the other killer investigates their home, and it's that top cop guy. That's when we were like, ooh, it's a twist. Bob Balaban's evil. But he has an amazing remote. I never... Oh, yes. It's got almost like a whole keypad on it. Yeah. It's very... I was like, what is that? I've never seen anything that intricate. That's true. That was high tech at the time. High. Yeah. They probably controlled the blinds as well. That was a big yeah. thing in 1990 in movies. It pays well to be a psychic mountain climber. Yes, it really does. <laughs> and be a jazz singer. Like you just, those are really great. This movie posits those are really lucrative careers. It ruined a lot of lives, this movie. <laughs> they zipline from one statue to another and the big bad cop guy watches the news anchor talk some more. We get some more spelunking and then the killer's running out of bullets because he shot too many doorknobs. It means he's never played this game before, which means it's time for us to play a game. Yay! Are you ready to play Psychic Killer Keska say? I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just played this last night, but I mean, sure. Right. I feel like I'm at an unfair advantage having just played this. Right, perfect. So, <laughs> Ryan, there are 10 questions with three options for each. Oh, boy. Your options are, is it a talking head song, okay. a movie with a psycho killer, mm-hmm. or is it something a psycho killer might say? The twist, it's in French. Okay, number one, <laughs> Roulet La Maison. Is that a talking head song? <laughs> A movie with a psycho killer or something a psycho killer might say. Brûlée la maison. Wow. This is where my lack of knowing any French is really going to be a deterrent. I'm going to just go ahead with my first option because these will all be guesses. Talking Heads song? You are correct. Burning Down the House is a song by Talking Heads. Okay. Well played. Also, you've already won the game, just so you know. Sarah, feel free to find it after after he answers. Number two. Je vous portez ton visage comme un masque pendant que je fais ma petite danse folle. Is that a talking head song? A movie with a psycho killer or something a psycho killer might say. I think it's something a psycho killer might say. You're correct. I made it up. It's I want to wear your face like a mask while I do my little kooky dance. It wouldn't surprise me if that was a line actually in this movie. You could convince me. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Number three, les yeux sans visage. Les yeux sans visage. Talking head song? Excellent guess. Sarah, do you have a feeling on this one? I'm going to go movie. It is a movie. It is Eyes Without a Face. Les yeux sans visage from 1960, where a surgeon causes an accident, which disfigures his daughter. So he goes to great lengths to get her a new face. Is that inspiration for Face Off? Yes, also known as Face Off. Number four, <laughs> La Vie en Temps de Guerre. La Vie en Temps de Guerre. A movie title? Great. Yes, it's Life During Wartime by Talking Heads. Ah. Yes, number five, Ça met la lotion dans le panier. 
Samet Lelouchin. I'm going to go movie. I know this one, I think. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's my guess too, then. Movie. (laughs) Well, this one you had two options because it is from a movie, but it's something a psycho killer says. Is it put the lotion on the skin? Puts the lotion in the basket. (laughs) Oh, yes. Of course. The cement threw me off. I was like, cement? Yeah, it's two words, cement. You're catching my French liaison, which is how I link the words. (laughs) Number six. (laughs) Le Grand Machant Loops. Le Grand Machant Loops. Talking head song? Excellent guess. It is a movie. It's Big Bad Wolves from 2013. After a little girl is brutally murdered, a suspect avoids arrest due to lack of evidence. Working separately, her father and cop decide to do something about it. It's really good. It's really dark. Big Bad Wolves. What is Loops? Loops is wolves. Oh. Yeah. Which werewolf? Lugaroo. Lugaroo. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Yep. There's a... <laughs> These are all important things. Uh, Spanish class. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Number seven. Say doit etre l'endroit. Sedouat etre l'endroit. This might even be harder than when I did the Danielle Steele book or Eric Roberts movie. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, we both got no French, so it's challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it's something that sounds like something a serial killer would say. Excellent. Excellent. I'm going to say yes. a talking head song. It is This Must Be the Place, a talking head song. <laughs> that is something a serial killer would say, however. That's true. That's true. He's like, this must be the place. So I kind of feel like that's a twofer on that yeah, one. I feel right. like that, there's two, two correct answers on that one. A lot of these are very, very blurry. It's definitely a serial killer would show up and go, this must be the place. This must be the place. There's this not- is where I must do my deed. Number nine, A.L. Atat. A.L. Atat. Movie title? Good guess. It is And She Was by The Talking Head. <sighs> Which brings us to our tenth one. Leche mon assiette tabit de chien. Leche mon assiette tabit de chien. Something a serial killer would say? Yes! It's Lick My Plate, You Dog Dick. It's said by Chop Top, a.k.a. Bills Mosley, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. <laughs> well played. You win. I destroyed that game. What can I say? Yeah. Just really... <laughs> you're the champion you're the champion oh well we figured that out and back in the movie the killer has figured out that they switch sides of the building this is a big reveal he's a huge reveal there's three other sides i haven't been looking at they could be anywhere but luckily he gets to say out loud to himself yes which again i love any scene where kevin conroy has to talk to himself in this film it's amazing it's so good and then they keep going down and then he finds another gun and then you're checking the time to be like, how long is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the second half of this movie, you're like, man, with commercial breaks, you might be like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to get out of this. They reach the ground. The newscaster arrives. The killer gets sideswiped by a car. Bob Balaban apologizes. And someone grabs a gun and uh, Bill Sadler gets shot. Oh, yeah, Bill Sadler comes in like, haha, it's me. And then it's like, bang, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I just thought maybe there'd be more there. Yeah, Lee gets shot. She goes running up the stairs and then he just shoots William Sadler. And then they're like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> That's that. That's your movie. Also, Bob Balaban is apparently a great detective who goes, huh? This guy is suddenly a psychic after a fall in a mountain. He must be the killer. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't understand his own logic. He apologizes for it, but I'm like, how did you even come to that conclusion? He's like, I'm sorry. I'm really. Yeah, sorry. I just, I had a wild hunch and I had to follow it because I'm a cop. There's so many people imprisoned because I'm terrible at this. 
<laughs> you're not the first person <laughs> i've just decided uh, on a whim is guilty of something look at how that lady's <laughs> holding that banana she's a killer rest her and throw her in jail <laughs> i'm eating lunch now dirk i have to ask had you seen this before no <laughs> never <laughs> okay but so this I, was this was sarah's pick then no nope. don't blame that no, on me this was me <laughs> we had talked about it and you're like well i mean i work in an office but you know i don't really want to openly talk about my job which most people don't and i thought well what's a movie that features an office building and very little office conversation <laughs> and i found this one where they're okay. outside of the building yeah yeah this one was amazing I gotta say, half of this movie, I thought this is terrific. I love '90s thrillers, yeah. and even though this is a made-for-TV movie, this definitely has a little bit of that thriller '90s thriller vibe. And then the second half has got a real K2 vibe. Yes, <laughs> it's not. It really changes. It changes. It, it, though those jackets they wear to rappel down the building oh, are something else. It's true. Well, well, and we were wondering like why they incorporated that rock climbing part so hard and like yeah. where they got all the gear. And we weren't sure if that was about the time that REI was taking over and getting sure. big or something. There must sure. have been some kind of um, something going on at that time that was really making it popular. Mm-hmm. It must be because cliffhangers out around this time and there's a lot of climbing films. Yeah. Though obviously this is made from a book. So the book right. was even before 1990. So I guess. Dean Coons just knew that there was a craze that was going to hit. Like, they're going to want to go up or down, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's people's <Up> nature. <laughs> people's natures are just to climb up and then back down things. It's like somebody was like, we should make one of the mountain climbing movies. And they're like, we don't have the budget for that. And they were like, why don't we just climb this? <laughs> just looked around the building and were like, this would work. All and right. I tried to think, like, what would be the craziest thing I had at my desk? But there's literally nothing that would compare with a full bag of climbing equipment. <laughs> Very expensive. You're like, I can't yeah. do this because of the fall, but that also made me psychic, so <laughs> I better. I guess in case of emergency, I don't understand oh, why that would even be there. At I... least he had two coats. And also took Pam Dauber maybe three exchanges total to convince him to do the thing that he has <laughs> deadly afraid that of. he's <laughs> terrified of now and cannot do. And then she's like, well, he'll get me if he finds us. And he's like, Cool. Here we go. Down the building. Can you grab some of those papers that are blowing (laughs) out the window, though? Is there anything, Ryan, that would make you rock climb down your office building? I mean, you are on the ground floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we do have a basement, so it wouldn't be too tough. I'd have to find the area where you could actually get down to the basement. I guess if the building was on fire. Okay. Yeah. If it was legitimately on fire, clearly, as we went over, I don't really know what to do in case of an actual fire, other than walk out of the building casually, <laughs> talking to coworkers. Mm-hmm. I just love the idea of someone being like, there's a fire, and you're already tied on and everything, you know, harness, and you're just yeah. like, I'm real hit, and you just jump out the window. <laughs> I'm coming! <laughs> Mark me on the list! <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think that would have to be the only one. And it's not really that tall a building. I mean, we have three floors. So really, it wouldn't be too far. Great. There's that. I got that going for me. Well, that brings us to any final thoughts before we move on from the CBS action classic. I did love the fact that it said CBS Action Classic on the actual screen throughout the entire film, just to remind you that this is an action classic. (laughs) 
it's interesting to see Kevin Conroy yeah. in this capacity, as you kind of mentioned. I thought that was very cool. This is, I thought, a pretty awesome cast for yes. a movie of this kind. I learned that the left hand is to guide and the right hand is to break. I think that that's <laughs> instructional. And uh, I don't know if I'll ever do rock climbing, but... You'll have that knowledge forever. Yeah, that's burned into the brain. So now I know that. I guess the director really got a, along well with Matt Frewer because they he met him on Max Headroom and then Lawnmower Man 2. Yeah. I have that knowledge. There you go. <laughs> I knew, for, I guess, friendships were made somewhere along the line. Yeah, that's about it. Those are my only thoughts about this movie. I, again, halfway through, great. The other half, all right. <laughs> well, it's a CBS made-for-TV movie after all. Yeah. One that I don't think many people have seen. And like you said, great cast. And I think it's very interesting to see how they, at the time, were like, we got to have this cool climbing thing. And apparently Stephen King's busy, so. (laughs) Right, right. So let's kind of halfway dead zone this thing, basically, with Dean Koontz. And it was terrifying. I think we all, we (laughs) saw the face of fear. So it's good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my uh, favorite part about this was my yeah. coonsing because the other thing that I realized was there's a lot of conspiracy theories about Dean Coon. So one of them is that he predicted the coronavirus in one of his books called Ooh. Eyes of Darkness. So mm. I don't know. I've never read the book. I had never heard this before and I wouldn't have if I hadn't watched this movie. Mm. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys read a lot of Dean Coons? No. No, I remember the covers. So when I was looking it up, I remember a lot of the covers being at the grocery store, like when they used to sell mm-hmm. books sure. at the end cap. Sure. They don't really anymore, but I remembered a lot of those. And I was more of a Stephen King gal. So I think you're one or the other. <laughs> I've never met a Koontz before. <laughs> a Koontzer? I, yeah. I never have. I know yeah. his name from the movie Hideaway. That's all. Yeah. I was a big Jeff Goldblum guy. And so the movie Hideaway was was super awesome for me. That's the one that you love? That's the... That's the one, yeah. That, Jeff that... Goldblum, uh, Jeremy Sisto, and I want to say Alicia Silverstone. It's a goth kid. It opens with Kim FDM, I Want to Go to Hell. It has Sister Machine Gun and Godflesh on the soundtrack. And Godflesh performs in the movie, which I was like, as a kid, going, where is this dance club where Godflesh is the band that's like, and there's all these kids <laughs> dancing. I'm like, this is not how this works, but okay. It was the number one rated movie, of, Koontz movie. To of the ad- adaptations? Movie. Yeah. Well, they're right. Yeah. Yeah, there's still Watchers. There's a whole franchise of Watchers films. Yeah, three of those, right? Four? I think. Yeah, I can't say I made it past one, but... I think two and at least three has Mark Singer in it, I'm pretty sure. Ooh, (laughs) uh, there you go. Got to revisit that and really get the face of fear. Yes, (laughs) and then there's Phantoms, that one with Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, which I think I tricked myself into seeing at the movie theater, but... Oh, no. I have no memory of, but almost certain I saw that film in the theater. One bad thing about a Phantom is they don't have the face of fear like this film. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's right which was like this one so had i seen this one first i would have not done that because i would have known i would have been terrified I, i'm already too scared thank you <laughs> i saw the face of fear which brings us to final questions these are the last questions and they're just for you ryan oh, perfect yeah the first question is favorite thing about your job my favorite thing is that i have it 
<laughs> I mean, we have had, I think a lot of people have had during this pandemic period, difficulties with work and Erica, my wife and co-host got let go. Is she let go of a lot of people and then was herself let go? What a reward for like, yes, exactly. they're like, and now you. Yep. Thank you for firing these people. Now see yourself out. And so <laughs> she's had to then find another job and she has, and it's all worked out. I've just been so happy to have continued to have this job that I just fell into. So I'm very grateful that it has kind of kept going and been consistent. It's no small thing. So I'm very grateful for it. That's great. We have many friends whose lives are drastically different after the pandemic situation is still going, I guess. And it's been both stressful and inspiring to see how people are resilient and just keep going. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. and there were definitely points in time for Dirk and I where we wished that we had something like that because <laughs> all of a sudden when you don't know if people are going to pay you or stores are shutting down and things like that. I was like, oh, I just wish I had like a regular job where I would get a regular paycheck and have insurance. You know, we were like wishing for an office job. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Before I did this, I worked as a freelancer for five years writing for the web. And I've been there. I had jobs before that where I was, again, freelance, finding my own insurance. That's why I'm, I'm even more grateful that I just have had not to have to concern myself with that because that stuff, it's so tricky. It's so difficult. Yeah. Much sympathy and, and empathy for that situation. And it's definitely been a tricky period for so many people. So yeah, grateful. Yeah. Gratefulness. Yeah, it's good to be grateful. But also, what's the worst part about your job? <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst part. Well, what's even nice, even though I'm remote, is that I get to work on my own and I don't get a lot of people looking over my shoulder and stuff. But the worst part of my job, I guess it's just the repetition. There's a lot of data entry and a lot of the same stuff. And it feels like sometimes I'm like, could a trained monkey do what I'm doing? currently? <laughs> people use that example a lot, but I really do feel like it's possible that they could even do better than I am, right, quite right, frankly. Right. They might be even less concerned with the repetitive nature of my work. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, their work break room, though, is going to be disastrous. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's almost nothing you could do wrong in there. Once you see all the shit on the walls, you're like, you know what? Don't do almost anything in here. And it's not that bad. It's not as bad as throwing my shit in the walls. It's true. And this movie would be great if all the characters were monkeys. I think that would be really fun to see spelunking monkey. There would have been a lot less tension, I think, in those climbing scenes, though. Yes. Also, maybe a good band name. Spelunky monkey? Yeah. <laughs> they should have done the soundtrack for this. It would have been a good time period because I am just guessing spelunking monkey is a ska band. It yes. just sounds appropriate. Of course. They yeah. Are. <laughs> They're a ska band, but very loose, like a ska fish situation. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. You're not in a rush to pick it up, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things you need to do as a ska band is pick it up. You have to. It's, it's your, your battle cry. <laughs> Everyone's like, this song's too long. We need to pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. You pick it up over there. <laughs> Why did we make this 11 minutes? Uh, we need all nine of us to pick this up. <laughs> Especially the one that's just dancing. <laughs> and dealing drugs after. <laughs> Any advice for someone looking into your field? Advice looking into my, I tempt into this job. So I would say one of the things that I think is typical for, I, I know a lot of people that are writers and actors and things like that. So they don't often have the day job. 
like I have had for several years now. And I think they uh, often are, you know, dealing with what you guys are going through, which are having a tough time and work goes in and out. And for me, it was just saying, hey, if you want to get a job, there's jobs to go out there and get. And maybe it's not what I went to college for or what I was always dreaming of, but you just have to go out there and give it a shot. And I tempt. And then my boss said, yeah, I want to bring you on full time. So it wasn't part of the plan, but we just rolled with it. And we've been rolling with it for quite some time now. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's such an important thing to put out there the temping, because my last profession that I had for 10 years working with children, I wouldn't have ever foreseen myself doing that. I didn't ever want to work in a school at all. And Sarah just had an idea, I think, while I was crying during a CSI episode. <laughs> uh, she's like, you always are passionate about people with different abilities. Why don't you look into that field? And so I basically was a substitute and would go to different schools and things. And I found one where it totally fit outside being a school. It was behavior modification. It felt important because it was the last place that a kid would go to before being pretty much heavily medicated at an extremely early age. So it felt super important to go every day. I loved it. The downside of the monotony of the Monday through Friday, the repetition, like you're saying, but there was all kinds of things that were really fed me. Like I just felt super excited and I would have never, ever found that place had I not put myself in that position. So I think putting out there the idea of temping is extremely important. I think every job I've ever had, I've started as either a seasonal employee or like an on-call person yeah. or something like that. And I think it's a good way to practice and get around and see what you want your specialty to be. Mm -hmm. So when I worked nonprofit work, it was checking out all of the different places. Is, and then I could find the one that I wanted to work at and then yeah. work my way up through the jobs. It's also a thing where the job doesn't have to be permanent. Unlike my situation, you don't have to stay there forever if that's what you're going against, but it does give you work and you can have some kind of stability if that's what you're looking for. So you just have to be willing to do it. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> Which brings us to the final question. Okay. And it's my favorite question. Ryan, what are your dreams like? My dreams? Well, I was nervous about this question. My dreams lately, outside of the ones that I won't get into where like my kids are hurt and stuff like that, you know, <sighs> like, I think as every parent, you have those nightmares. You just have nightmares where you're like trying to save your kid from something. Maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one, but yeah. um, <laughs> I had that a lot when Adeline was first learning to walk. I would have oh, these yeah. nightmares that she would walk into traffic or into a car. Yeah. But I don't have them so much anymore. I think I have dreams where we're on the 40th floor in an office building and the only way we can get down is by traversing it on the outside. But outside of that, weirdly, a lot of my dreams lately have no people I know in my life. They're just brand new people that I'm oh. meeting and doing. I don't know if this is just a product of the pandemic and not really getting out to see a lot of my friends now in a long time. Some people I've seen, but a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time and outside of occasional text messages or whatever emails. So it's like I'm inventing new people to chat with. <laughs> in my head at night so it's just very weird and I'm, I'm trying to remember a specific situation nothing's coming to me but I know I've woken up and been like I don't know who those people were I was chatting with <laughs> you're like Erica Floyd said the funniest thing the other day she's right. like Floyd right I don't I I literally don't know I don't know but he's hilarious <laughs> he's a great guy should meet him ah <laughs> oh, excellent well this has been wonderful. And certainly this episode wasn't marred by a massive technical difficulty. <laughs> no problem there. Cool here, everybody. <laughs> Smooth sailing. 
Well, this was our first TV movie. I'm super excited that we had this conversation and we couldn't have done it without our guest, Ryan. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a big fan of VHS and what you guys are doing. I love this this podcast, so I was thrilled to be a part of it. It is so fun, and I'm such a fan. And as you know, on Twitter, I try to get everyone I can to listen to your episodes. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for having me on. I'm really grateful uh, for being here. And New World Pictures podcast is where people can find you and all things New World Pictures. As always, thank you, Sarah, for being here. Oh, yep. Thanks for having me back, man. Yep. Until <laughs> next time, and probably after, I'm Dirk Marshall, and this has been VHS. <laughs>